Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Everyone around the world, once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. Our guest was Heather the Heat Hardy, who returns to the ring on March 12th as the opponent against British fighter Terry Harper. We spoke with her by Zoom Sunday, January 23rd. And now, that discussion. What's up, fight fans from around the world? We are back in the war room today. I'm your fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, here with my boxing family, Melissa Smith, women's boxing historian, and my boy, the conscious of combat sports, Mr. Eddie Goldman. And we are going to kick off this show to talk about this weekend's fights and the fight results. We're going to give you some analysis. So let's kick it off. Melissa, first, I want to just say thank you for putting it out there to showtime that there were no women's boxing bouts on this card that happened last night on Showtime, which was, it was a fantastic card, but it sucked because there was no women on it. Can we talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Now, I believe it was you that had Steven Espinoza on the record saying, hey, I promise women's boxing in 2022 on our cards. Well, hello, first card of the year. Where were they? Where were they? Okay, PBC. No excuses. No excuses. There are a lot of really brilliant female fighters all across this country that deserve the opportunity to have a showcase on Showtime, on a PBC card. It will bring in more fans, people. What are you doing? Why is it American women have to go to the United Kingdom to fight? That's ridiculous. They go there. They go to Mexico. Not in the United States, unacceptable. I wonder what what is Christy Martin doing? I saw her. Somebody did a clip. Is she not do? I thought she was a promoter. Is she not promoting women's? Uh, she has boxing? women on her cards from time okay. to time. She I mean, that's promoting. televised, like televised, like a PBC card or something. Oh like no, that. it's not that big. That? She's no? she's in minor markets, small okay. fighters. But yeah, she's had women on her card, and uh, you know, she's she's. Trying to find them. And again, she's more local, small market. She's not okay. a major promoter yet at this point in time. Club shows. She's doing club yeah, shows. Yeah, she's doing club shows and small locales. Yeah. But you she does have a TV deal or something to, to make yeah. it. You know, TV streaming deal. You need something like that to get it really big. Especially to gain exposure for the fighters that she's putting on the cards, right? Yeah, so yeah. I would think you exactly. would want to, you know, maybe Cove produce a show with showtime or somebody like that yeah but or yeah right at this point you know she's just in local markets doing mm-hmm. local shows and and doing it that way and we'll see whether she's able to leverage that into major promotional deals all um, right so do we time. have any exciting uh, women's fights coming up other because we know we talked to clarissa last week right well we yeah she, i mean clarissa she, we know that fight's February coming up 5th. yeah February 5th, so in two weeks, uh, we get to really get excited by that opportunity. And that's the biggest one that I know of that's coming up. Right. There's a few minor, I mean, there was a fight yesterday, a local market, you know, club show in Texas with a female bout on it. There's those kinds of things. Right now, the UK has not had any, you know, they shut down all uh, live boxing events in the UK. So because that's where a lot of the action is, there's been no boxing in January with women 
because there's been no fights out of the United Kingdom. Right. So we'll see uh, what happens there starting in February, whether they're able to start to get some action with female fighters on their bouts. Right. COVID they come is- back. They come back and it's been approved to come back in February. And yeah. the uh, the February 5th card in Wales, from what I understand, has been approved at this point, which has had the Chris Eubank, Liam Williams fight is a headline and Clarissa Shields against Cozen. And that will be in the UK. It'll get decent TV coverage with Sky Sports, which has been showing boxing for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the US, it's we've discussed this before, we'll be on this minor separate pay-per-view the same day that you got a Keith Thurman, Mario Barrios fight on a Showtime pay-per-view later. And, you know, every week there's another pay-per-view. It's just absurd. You're only going to get a small amount of people exposed. And Clarissa Shields is, again, two-time Olympic gold medalist in the United States, undefeated. We went over all of her. would take an hour to go over all the belts that she's won as, as a professional and can't get a, a date on American television. Unless she fights in MMA, which is not her main sport. She got an ESPN on her, her fights in PFL and the MMA cards. And she hasn't yeah. been on American TV in a long time. So it's just, it's utterly absurd where women's sports, you look at all surveys, all metrics, women's sports around the world and all these other sports are growing and get coverage. You get coverage in football with the Women's Champions League. You get coverage in in cricket. There's women's cricket. You don't have women's baseball, which is is crazy in itself, but you have women's cricket. And you could list all these other sports, swimming and athletics and so forth. And boxing, which was the next to last sport on the Olympic pro, which I'm sorry, was the last sport on the Olympic program to put in boxing. Wrestling was the next to last, and in 2004, and boxing was the last in 2012, and now it's still lagging on the on the professional level, and it's it's utterly it's just utterly absurd. Yeah, you know, no, I mean, misogynist is what it really is. Yeah, with Clarissa Shields, as she pointed out to us, you know, hey, they're not going to pay me. So how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it, what, for no money and risk my life and my brand and who I who I know I deserve to be. Right. And that's, you know, that's part of it, too. And why not? She's got the skills. She's got the talent. So why shouldn't she get what she deserves to achieve? Right. I encourage all those women to go to the UK if that's where the market and the money is. Yeah. Or, or Mexico, which is another place where you can earn a living as a fighter. But the pay down there is not the same. It's It's not not the same. It's still decent, but it's not the same. (laughs) You can stack your record though. (laughs) You can stack your record and still get paid more than you would (laughs) be paid in the United States. I don't know why why zone didn't snap up. Uh, Clarissa Shields. Uh, she had fought on zone before. I don't know the politics and the money and that stuff behind there, but they have shown a number of women's fights on zone on Matchroom uh, shows, oh, yeah. on Golden yeah. Boy shows. I don't know why Golden Boy didn't snap her up, but, um, you know, again, you get to the politics because she has her own uh, promoter and Dimitri Salida. So all these promotional contracts and all these separation of boxing into all these little fiefdoms worked against it. It's just, it's completely. Yeah. I mean, and exactly right. And, you know, we don't know what the, the conversations were with Eddie Hearn at matchroom boxing versus sky sports, who just at that moment was building up this new relate had curtailed their, uh, their uh, relationship with matchroom boxing. So they weren't showing their fights on the zone and was developing boxer so it might have been that they were more willing to pay the funds, pay the money that Clarissa and her team were uh, negotiating for, because at that moment, you know, they were looking to really bust out with a lot of champions very quickly 
to establish their their own brand as a, a provider of premier boxing talent. So who knows? As you say, it's, there's a lot of politics always, Eddie. Always. Politics, racism, and misogyny. Yeah. They and all that, go you hand know, in hand. No, all go hand in hand. And with Clarissa Shields, it's absolutely the name of the game. Mm-hmm. It has been ever since 2012 when she first won a gold medal. She was the only gold medal winner in the United States. Did she get the deals? No. Did they put her face on a Wheaties box? Hell no. Never have. Still haven't. That is crazy. She's a two-time gold medal winner in boxing. The only boxing champion, Olympian to ever do that as a boxing champion. That she is, is crazy. Not on a Wheaties in, box. in the U.S. In, in the, the U.S. States, yes. And I asked that but because... Wheaties is U.S., you know? Yeah, I, I asked that because I met the first black man who was put on a Wheaties box and his name is Steven. What's up, Steven? And he was a BMX <laughs> racer back in like, I think he told me the seventies or eighties back, back in the eighties, I guess, cause he's a little younger than me. Uh, so yeah, so that is fascinating that a two time gold medal, medal winner from the Olympics is not on a Wheaties box. I may have to have a conversation with the CEO of uh, Kellogg's. What is going on? That is crazy. That's all American right there. As American exactly. as you can get. Flint, Michigan is as American as you can get. Yes. Some bullshit. And, and it particularly falls on PBC, which doesn't have any women's fighters. And that's supposed to be a company that features a lot of black fighters. So Here's somebody we went over her credentials. Why don't you have her on? It's just, you know, it's just misogyny, misogynoir. It's absurd that that it isn't that it isn't done because right. you you look for men's fights. They'll obviously have a lot of top level fighters, but on their cards they have fighters who are never going to be any champions, who are making their debuts, who are club fighters and all that. And, and that's fine. They should all, you know, let them all fight. So here you have somebody with all these credentials and you're not signing. Why? Hey, listen, you know, you got top rank and, you know, it's like uh, Michaela Mayer's a Smurfette, right? Everybody, they got all these men in her. Yeah. Where are the other women in top rank? There's a lot of talent here. I don't get it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that the Michaela Mayer's getting, you know, the notoriety she deserves as a fighter and hopefully the money she's starting, she deserves, or at least some, somewhere in the ballpark. But it feels like the Smurfs, you know, they were all the Smurfs and then the Smurfette. What the heck? Well, look, let's talk about uh, last night's PBC card, uh, Eddie. Let's, I want to hear your breakdown on this because I missed the first two bouts, but I saw Gary Russell's one arm. Uh, effort to kick Maxow, whatever his name is, last what's his name? Mark McSayo. McSayo. Yeah, he uh, he almost lost. He almost got knocked out. So I don't know what to say about his performance against a guy who almost beat him with one hand. Well, before you know, he's Gary Russell Jr. said he had an injury in training before the fight. Since he hadn't fought in so long, he didn't want to postpone this one again because who knows when he would have fought mm-hmm. fought next. And you know that's partially due to his own his own inactivity. And even before the, the he had the the visible shoulder shoulder injury there, I thought he was losing the fight. I was very surprised. The scores for the fight were were much closer. Then I had it. Most people had. It. I didn't score it round by round, but I felt that Maxia was dominating the fight even before he was just fighting. Russell was fighting with with one hand, and here you had a young, hungry guy from the Philippines, undefeated, was training with Freddie Roach. He didn't want to be compared to Pacquiao because he said there's only one Pacquiao. He's a he's a very different fighter, but he was throwing an enormous amount of punches. You know, some were blocked and some weren't landing, but I just felt he was dominating. He was dominating the fight, and he he certainly deserved the win. So you could say that, you know, to what extent did the injury cause Russell uh, to lose? Well, 
I don't know that that might set up an interesting rematch between these two somewhere along the way. But I have a feeling Russell's going to need some serious rehab. I don't know if he's going to have surgery or whatever. And he he's getting a little older. And the fact that he fights so infrequently lessens his appeal to people. He's not one of the most popular fighters that uh, that you have out there. Uh, but it was a good, it was a good, exciting fight. And it was a good fight. It was a competitive fight. And the underdog won. And that was something about the three televised fights on this show. They were all competitive. And they would, you know, not everything turned out as, as people expected it to, which is, which is fine. Because you don't, you, you go in week after week on a lot of these boxing cards and you know who's going to win. It doesn't have to be fixed. They're set up as, as mismatches, as, as one-sided fights. And you, you say, what the hell's the point of even watching this? I could just read the results afterwards. But not with, the, not with this show. And I don't know to what degree that was planned or accidental. Uh, but, it was, but from a TV, from a fan standpoint, from a TV standpoint, it was a good show to watch. And in the... The second fight they had, Sabrio Matias uh, revenged a previous defeat to Petros Ananian. And that was just an incredible amount of punches thrown in the fight. It ended up being a uh, after the ninth round, Ananian could not continue. And speaking of women in boxing, there was a woman referee in that fight but involving these two men, Mary Glover. And she did a hell of a job because, she, first of all, she let these guys fight. They were standing in the middle of the ring, just trading punches and blows and, and all of that. And she let them fight. She did have to intervene when there were low blows. And she did when she ended up taking a point away from Matias, but that was because she had given him two warnings already. And then there was a third low blow when Matias tried an old trick. The announcers didn't catch this. She was standing, when she was standing in the ring was to the left of Matias. And he hit uh, an onion low on the hip with his right hand out of the view of the referee. But she saw that and an onion pointed out. So she didn't, she didn't fall for that old trick. And that was the third, uh, that was was the third (laughs) point. That was the third Warning and the point deduction. So I thought she did a, a very good job. And then at the, towards the end of the the ninth round, Ananyan was knocked down really hard. He got up. He looked really dazed. But the round was over at that point. She gave him the count, you know, and he was up. And they weren't going to fight again that round. So she let it go back to the corner. Where the doc, where they could sit sit him down, where the doctor could come in, uh, examine the fighter closely. The doctor came in. She did the the finger test, where she moves her her index finger left and right to see if he could he could follow it with his eyes, and he couldn't. And she said that's it. And only the referee in New Jersey can stop the fight. So the doctor said no more, and the referee immediately waved it off so it was it was a very good job done and they said she hadn't mary glover hadn't refereed that many fights before and he was a high level fight involving these two relatively highly ranked fighters and it was they gave her a a, you know a good assignment it wasn't like you know a four-rounder or something like that and in the opening fight the other situation with referees came around where it was a split draw involving King Tug Nyambayar, who was an all-action fighter, and Sicaria Lucas. And a lot of people felt that Lucas should have been given the victory in this fight and that the referee, Eddie Claudio, made a real mistake. There was, uh, during the fight, there was a scenario where Nyambiar and uh, Lucas were sort of in 
close quarters. And uh, Lucas threw a punch that it looked like it landed on the chest. And Nyambiar went down from it. He got up quickly, but the referee ruled it a slip. They showed the replay over and over again. And there was a punch that caused the knockdown. Again, it wasn't, you know, a concussive punch, but it was a knockdown by boxing rules. And what made this worse was that since this was done in real time, afterwards, Larry Hazard, the uh, head of the New Jersey State Athletic Control Board, let referee Eddie Claudio be interviewed live on Showtime. And they showed him the video of that scenario. And not only did he defend that it was that he went down because of a slip and not a knockdown, which is a judgment call. But he said he didn't even see a punch, which is nuts because they kept showing him the video right there of the punch that everybody that everybody could see. So if if that had been scored a knockdown, as it should have been, that would have been a 10-8 round for Lucas. Everybody gave him the round 10-9. But if it were 10-8, he would have won the fight on, I think, a split decision would have been, or a majority decision, rather. Uh, but that isn't what happened. So it ended up being a split, a split draw, and he didn't get the victory. Maybe they'll fight again. Who knows? You never know what's going to happen in a rematch. But here was a fight it was supposed to be a showcase for Nyambayar. Mm. And it ended up being a split draw. So it was a very it was a very competitive fight, despite the uh, the uh, mistake that the referee made. Right. So it was fun. It was a fun show to watch. And surprisingly so, because a lot of these PBC cards have just been. You know, suck. one mismatch <laughs> set up fight after another. A lot so of the PBC like, cards suck. Yeah, a lot of them do. But but this one, whatever they planned, had three. And they were all a lot of action in the fights. A lot of good stuff to watch in right. these fights. Right. So well, listen, I want to um, um, just say the boxing community here in Los Angeles, I don't know if you guys know who John Pops Arthur is, but uh, he was a trainer. He helped, um, he was James Tony's manager and trainer, Rosvon Kajanu's uh, manager and trainer. He ran Legends Boxing Gym, but he passed away and transitioned. And I just want to send my condolences to his family and to the fight uh, community for everybody that knew him. He was a legend. He's, he, he, was, he was one of those guys that he really, he loved the sport. He was super generous with his time, his advice, uh, everything. He schooled me with my first fighter who eventually screwed him over and he forgave him. So this guy is, you know, uh, John Pops Arthur. I hope you rest in peace, my brother. So um, that's all I got to say about that. But I wanted to shout that out before we uh, end the show. Well, I, I, I to have, uh, what was that, Eddie? I want to talk a little bit about the Don King card that's coming up that not too many people are really seeing what's going on beyond the, the trickeration and the heavyweight fight. I just did a whole article on my Patreon. And if you want to join in the discussion and see a real analysis for that, subscribe to my Patreon. There's so much garbage out there. I, I look at a lot of boxing sites I listen to a lot of interviews and all of that. And there's just so much propaganda, so much garbage. You need some independent journalism and here you're getting it. Um, but you got to subscribe for it because I go into depth about the real significance. Why at age 90 is Don King doing this card and how do we view that. this card? It's, it's easy to just dismiss this as more junk. And there's, there is a lot of, Don King patented trickeration on this. But the main event, which few people are talking about, is a legitimate top-level cruiserweight fight. The cruiserweight division has sort of been open since Usyk won a couple of years ago the, the World Boxing Super Series. He unified all the belts. 
and then he moved up to heavyweight. And so, so now you have all the sanctioned bodies have their own titleists, but one of them, the WBC champion, Olunga Makabu, is fighting in what's billed as the co-main event on this card against Tabiso Omkunu. I hope, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. These are both African fighters. Makabu was originally from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which for a while under Mobutu was known as Zaire. It's much longer known as the Congo, former colony of Belgium. And he's now based in South Africa. And Mkuno is also from South Africa. They first had a fight in 2015 in Durban, South Africa, which you could find the, the video on YouTube, which is a very good, high-level, exciting fight. And these two guys are ranked highly by all the independent rankings bodies. And I just talk about the WBC or Don King. But if you look at the rankings from ESPN and the ring and the transnational group, they all have these two in their top four or five or six fighters at cruiserweight. So again, whatever you think of the rankings, these are, there's a consensus. These are top cruiserweights and they're having their rematch from their exciting 2015 fight on this Don King card, which is on his own independent pay-per-view. So we can always get into all of the, the nonsense that Don has pulled, but he also puts on a lot of important fights. And this isn't getting the attention uh, because people are putting much more attention to the crap that he's pulling in the heavyweight fight where Trevor Bryan, who holds the quote unquote WBA regular title is fighting an unknown guy named Jonathan Guidry, more essentially a, a club fighter. And they made sure to get Guidry into the WBA rankings. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. So he could fight uh, Brian for this, this belt. And I go into in depth on all the crap that's gone on with that. But uh, what's important is that Brian was expected to win easily might be in line to eventually fight the WBA super champion. Now, this is crazy that they have all this, but right now it's Usyk, and you have the Usyk, might be Usyk and Joshua in a rematch. Some stories say Usyk's going to go straight away to fight Tyson Fury in a unification fight. Whatever they've done, whatever gets done, pretty soon you're going to have a WBA super heavyweight champion fulfilling these obligations, whether it's the rematch or unification, who's going to have to fight is mandatory. And King has positioned himself that Trevor Bryan might be the mandatory for this heavyweight, this major heavyweight fight. And the other story is Macabu was challenged by Canelo at the WBC convention that Canelo would move up two weight classes from super middleweight to cruiserweight, and he's promoted by King. So wait, 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 well, wait. So you said Canelo's moving up to cruiserweight? He might. He might. We don't. There's nothing definite. But Eddie Reynoso, his trainer and manager, put in a put into <laughs> the WBC to get permission for him to fight for the WBC cruiserweight belt. Damn, now, Canelo. What, what this means is that you might have 90-year-old Don King oh my God. involved in the two most important and popular events in boxing, a world heavyweight title fight and a Canelo fight. Oh, my Lord. So to me, that's why he's maneuvering with this little this little card. So I'm not telling people whether to watch it or not. My, yeah. my opinion on pay-per-view has been made very clear for years. It's, it's been terrible for boxing. 
Uh, but, you know, people can do whatever the hell they want. You could often find a lot of these fights afterwards on YouTube. I found from King's yeah. pay-per-view last year, the fight between Trevor Bryan and Berman Stavern. That's on YouTube. As I said, the Makabu and Kuno fight, that's on YouTube. You just won't be able to get it live unless you go to one of these these dodgy sites. And again, that's, that's up to you if you want to do something yeah, like well, I'm that. I'm not doing none of that. Yeah, I'll wait for it to pop up well, on YouTube. My point is that don't, don't, don't just completely write off this card. We don't know how it's going to end up, but there could be some important things coming out of it. And more the media attention, the mainstream media is focused a lot with King. They're interviewing King whether they should be interviewing the fighters. And King had a, a Zoom call with Trevor Bryan and Jonathan Guidry a few days ago, but they didn't have one from Macabo and Mkuno. And Don couldn't even pronounce his name his name right. All he right. called well, him Machuchu. Machuchu. Don King. What's up, Heather Hardy? Give us just one second here. We're going to wrap up our little convo uh, that we're, uh, Eddie's giving his analysis on uh, Don King fight. So Eddie, uh, just give us a last wrap up on what Don King's card is and uh, and then we'll take it to Heather Hardy, okay? Yeah, you got the, the cruiserweight, the WBC cruiserweight fight, Macabo in, in Kuno, and you got this bogus WBA regular heavyweight fight and you got some undercard fights and you know that that's a, on a Don King a Don King paper Don King so special well all it's right. up, up to you what you want to do right all right well that, we'll check in on Don King's next fight some other time because we have the one the only Heather Hardy in the house right now yay. fight fans yay what's up Heather I know I am sorry uh, that that's okay. Look, we know you are preparing for a fight. You are a hardest working woman in the game. Uh, and you're a mom. And so look, before we, uh, I gotta let fight fans know that you are 22 and two as a professional boxer and you crossed over into MMA and now you're two and two in MMA and you're fighting Terry Harper at the lightweight for the WBA Intercontinental Belt, right? Uh, uh, that's going to yeah. be on March 12th on DAZN, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're preparing for, your camp for that, yeah? Yeah, working hard. How's that go? How's camp going? Um, it's, it's hard jumping back in, but it's going really well so far. We started early, and um, I'm psyched. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. So, look, we're going to kick off the interview line of questions with uh, women's boxing historian, Melissa Smith. Uh, take it away, Melissa. Hey, Heather. Good to see Hi, you. Good, you know, to see good to see you too. Full disclosure, I, I, I get the honor of seeing Heather all the time at Gleason's gym and, and did right see on. her last last Saturday, um, you know, in the ring, in training. And, you know, for Heather, that means adding in an extra three to four hours a day uh, to do camp. Camp isn't in some, you know, little resort somewhere campus to the extra three hours or four hours and two, two gyms at Gleason's and then doing, uh, you know, the kind of uh, strength training and conditioning training somewhere else. So it's a lot. And we really applaud you for, for being back in here. So um, Thanks, you're Laura. fighting it at, at, at lightweight. This is your second fight at lead, lightweight. Your first was with uh, Jessica Camaro. Um, how does it feel now? I mean, it's two years into the pandemic. You had a, a, a rough fight last May. Where are you? Where's your head? How are you feeling about what's happening with Terry Harper in March? Well, I'm excited for the opportunity. I, I you know, uh, fight fans and all fans hate hearing about um, fighters and their personal lives, you know, but I mentally wasn't in the best spot last May. And even just training, it was... It was a feeling like I I always wanted to just get through it and just get it over with. And I can even remember being in the hotel room for the fight when I should be excited and pumped and I just wanted to get it over with. So what that translated was a very lazy kind of fighter in the ring. Like I was 
fighting like it was a sparring session. And I realized afterwards that I kind of lost the passion somewhere along the line. And I lost the love that I had for it. And I told myself that I wasn't going to do it anymore. I was ready to retire if I don't love it. So took some time um, off of working out and training and, you know, stayed in shape. But um, it was back in November. I said, all right, I'm going to go back in the gym. And it was me and Ronica. We said, we said, you want to do some rounds and just see, like, do we like this still? Do we still have it? And uh, we hopped in the ring in November and realized the two of us, not even training, did some beautiful boxing for about five or six rounds for two old ladies, man. And that's when I decided to commit and do it. And this fight came up and I thought, you know what? I'm getting a chance. I'm, I'm not, everyone gets a second chance and I'm getting that. So I'm prepared to take full advantage of it. Did you, you, you uh, did you watch the, the video of that fight that you had with Kamara? No, I've never watched any of my fights. Okay. Cause I'm just saying the announcers on it. I watched the, the, you, it was up on YouTube. The announcers during it were, very critical of your technique in that fight with, and they were kind of surprised at that, which you kind of, you kind of referenced that you, you didn't necessarily look like yourself in that fight, even though it was your first fight up at lightweight. Well, I think we both know that the announcers know what they're going to say before the fight starts, right? Like the announcers are told what to say. So anything that you hear from two people who are getting paid by the promoter, you really, you can know. I mean, and it's very true, sadly, in the sport of boxing. So they, they know what they're going to say about you before they even go in. Matter of fact, one of my coaches was in the dressing room with someone who was announcing and heard them on a call with whoever was like, you know, make sure you talk about how she's getting old and she's going to retire soon and blah, blah, blah. So this is all knowledge I had walking into that fight. That fight wasn't, um, you know, I, I just brushed that one off. Well, that makes sense, though, too. I mean, in the sense of if you're already not in the zone for yourself yeah. and then you're, yeah. you're hearing that they just want to trip you up. And listen, and we've talked about this on the show. The first thing on a lot of these channels, the first thing they say is, oh, well, you know, women only fight for two minutes. Well, you know, it's not like you forced that. Right. You got WBC that says we won't sanction about if it's two minutes, right. regardless. So you know it's ridiculous. But as you're, but you're feeling renewed coming into fighting Terry Harper. You you got your fortieth birthday in two days. That's a great yeah, treat. That's incredible. Which is great. I mean, Happy we know birth. women. Oh, look, Alicia Ashley fought till she was fifty. So, and and made it look easy. So what, what are you doing to keep yourself up in spirits? And, and um, you know, you are fighting someone who's taller than you, who's also coming off a big loss, coming up in weight. Yes, 15 years younger and taller, similar reach. How, what's the mental game for you coming into it? I, you know, like I have had enough fights in my life where I don't really care who's in front of me. You know, like the coaches are doing their job all you know sat and watched her videos and looked at me and look at what I need to do and we're going into this fight camp ready to beat up this girl you know it's, that's the mentality ready to beat up this, you know like she's she's closer in age to my daughter than she is to me what kind of a mother would I be if I let some young kid beat me up <laughs> <laughs> I love right. that but, you know, and you come in and you're fighting in the zone. You're, you're finally getting on a matchroom card. How, what, how's that? How's the. I've been on a couple of matchroom cards, actually. Right, that's true. Right. Yeah. I fought Amanda and it was a DAZN and Amanda. Oh, right. Yeah, it was. Show. So yeah. I've, I've done some work with Eddie Hearn before. Um, but it's fun. I've never been to Europe. But again, like, you know, my last fight was in like the Holiday Inn. Right. And. As kind of like walking in there, I was like, God, I feel like I'm like an amateur kickboxing days. So there was just such a big difference from what I was used to fighting in the garden at the Barclays to to fighting at the hotel where I'm sleeping at was very strange. (laughs) So I kind of psyched to get to to England and to do the whole, you know, fight press week and stuff like that. And so look, get to you do never, a great wet ring walk too, right? <laughs> right, Heather. You so you don't watch films of yourself 
for past fights? You didn't watch the Serrano fight. Do you watch fight footage of your opponents or you just allow your coaches to watch the I film? I let the coaches do you? it. I let the coaches do it. I don't even want to see it. Really? That's yeah. fascinating to me because I'm, I'm forcing my fighters to look at themselves and see what they're doing in the ring. Yeah. That's interesting. Blimp always get mad at me because I don't watch the tape, but, you know, maybe it would be helpful. I just don't do it. <laughs> you, you didn't watch Terry Harper's last fight with Alicia Baumgartner? I did. I did. I did watch that. I don't, I mean, I don't make a habit of it to sit and analyze tape, but I mean, you know, my coaches do all that and then teach me what to do. But you watched that fight as a fan, right? Yeah. Before you knew you were going to fight, fight Terry. Yeah. I had no idea I would be boxing her, but I did happen to watch that one. Let me ask you at the age of 28, you took your, that was your first fight at 28 like pro fight. So what, yeah. what prompted you to get into the ring? What inspired that? Um, my little sister bought me a gift certificate to like a little karate dojo. And um, I went in and was hitting the bag and take these like cardio classes. And one of the girls was like a fight team trainer. I was like, Hey, we got a, a fight fights coming up in like, you know, a couple weeks. And there's a girl just pulled out. So we need someone your weight. Would you want to do it? And I was like, I guess. So like the next what? day I came in. Yeah. I was like, I guess. And the next day I came in and I sparred and within three weeks I had my first fight and I won. And it was like the greatest thing in the world. It was like, I finally found what I was good at doing. So I just kept doing it and kept doing it and haven't stopped. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. Congratulations for as far as you've come, because I always said if I was younger today, like I'd be in fighting for real, like, cause you know, I'm yeah. 60. I'm, I'm not jumping in the ring today, but you know, if I was your age at 28, even today, I would jump in the ring because there's just so much opportunity and women's boxing is coming so far. Women's fighting yeah. the fight game period. I should say. Yeah. I was watching women's, like I was telling these guys earlier, I've been watching women's Muay Thai fights, you know, like when uh, when they had the old school UFC and all that shit way before them. Yeah. They didn't have women fighting on the UFC, but they had some uh, in the Asian countries. Those women were fighting. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I'd do that if I were younger, for real. Yeah. If there was one fight you could put in a time capsule of your fights out of the 22, 24 fights that you've had, which one do you think? Well, you haven't watched them, so I don't know if this is a good question for you. <laughs> I think um, I think that I would I would pocket the first fight with Shelly Vincent. That was right an ep- epic fight, and my cousin had passed away like just a, a couple weeks before, so he never got to see the fight. And um, yeah, that was a really important moment for me to win that fight. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Go ahead, Daddy. Where do you think women's boxing is at this point in the U.S.? Because a lot of the the top women's fighters in the United States are having right now to go to the U.K. to get the major fight. Your fight, uh, we mentioned Alicia Baumgartner fighting Terry Harper. Clarissa Shields is fighting. And uh, a lot of the U.S. shows don't show any women's fights. We were talking before you came on how the, the PBC show had a good show Saturday night and showtime, no women's fights. And I don't think they, they have signed any women's fighters and there's only yeah. one with top rank. It's just very, very few. Al um, Heyman doesn't has specifically said he doesn't want to work with female fighters. So PBC was never an option. He, he did actually say that. And I had the, 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 the guy for that used to work at the Barclays and I don't remember his name was the one who actually spoke to him for me to say like, you know, where they had, um, Lou had stepped out of his contract or whatever had happened with Lou DeBella and PBC. And I couldn't box at the Barclays center anymore. I remember talking to him and he said, no, honey, I'm sorry. Like we told him how you sell tickets and we told him how much we all love you here, but he won't sign any women. So you're not going to see female title fights on those cards. You might catch an undercard show, which like I was always on the undercards. He was fine with that, but he'll never showcase 
or at least not yet, apparently. Mm. Any female fights on outside of PBC, there's really not much boxing going on in America, right? Like there's right. not any real big fights going on here. And that poses such a big problem for women's boxing. And, and I got criticized for this before, but when Eddie Hearn is really the only one putting on female shows, he's in control of how much money women make because you get this feeling of he's supporting females, he's supporting females, he's doing so much for women's boxing. But when he's offering, you know, 15 and $20,000 for world title fights that these young girls are accepting, you know, hoping they're gonna get their chance, it really keeps the money low. All right, low. Mainstream. So, how do you think we fix pay equity in this uh, in the boxing business? I mean, it's an issue everywhere in general, but boxing—it yeah, really is. And we can and, do better, and we can. And I think it's it's going in the right direction, right? You had Amanda's making seven figures. Katie Taylor is about to make seven figures. Closest Shields just mm -hmm. signed a contract to make seven seven figures. So, what these girls are doing is they're pushing up the ceiling and showing these young girls what's to come forward. Now, when I talk about women not making money, clearly I don't mean those, those girls, the elite ones. It's just, you know, I, I was offered $20,000 to this fight. And I was like, I, you know, that's a break even. I'm not doing that. So we had to renegotiate the contract a lot mm -hmm. for me to take it, but people don't realize $20,000 is almost. That's just a paper a wash. It doesn't. People don't understand that. 20% no, goes to the corner. And then you really consider about 25% because you're paying sparring partners mm -hmm. to help out. You're doing all these other little things. 20% right off the bat almost to taxes, right? I mean, you're going to lose money to taxes. And when you consider three to four hours a day, I have to not work and work out. That's money I'm missing for my rent. So I'm always paying like two months rent late by the time I get a fight. 20 grand just don't cut it. And you got young girls who live with mom yeah yeah it sucks yeah. and they're like okay 10 grand i'll do it that's cool and it's like ah no it's yeah not. you're right because you're putting your just, life on the line you right know? and we have to keep pushing as the people in the business we got to keep pushing promoters and people towards pay equity and uh, hopefully somebody just comes right out and starts it off the right way from the yeah. beginning it's just yeah. hard because when it's you're hard. when you're a woman and you're in the spotlight, it's it's like, oh, I don't want them to get mad and not give me another fuck chance. That. So I fuck that. This has been my whole career. I've been a big mouth about pay equity, so I don't <laughs> really care. <laughs> but right. you know, but that's kind of the way it's always been. That women are taught that if they're not, if you're not quiet and good and grateful and all the things, then someone else will take your spot. And there's not a lot of spots, so you should be lucky to have it. Right. Yeah, and, and you mentioned earlier about selling tickets. I mean, I remember you selling twenty thousand dollars worth of tickets for it to be on a show at the Barclay, told you'd be in the fight right before the live, you know, yeah. television event, and then you end up at five at five o'clock and none of the people who bought tickets are even in the audience. So it's yeah, it's shameful. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, I've I've had some a lot of stories like that throughout my career. So I just got to this year where I thought like, you know, if it's not right, I've, I turned down two world title fights last year because right. of money. Cause it just, no, I'm not even going on a diet for that kind of money. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but here you are, you, it, it does seem to be the right time. Um, where, where do you see it going from here? One I'm fight just, at a time. Yes. One fight at a time. Um, we're calling this my midlife crisis fight, my 40 fight, right? Like it's so hard to turn 40. And then at the same time, think about not being Heather the Heat Hardy anymore. And I just really had to weigh out. Do I love boxing enough? Am I ready to do this? Because financially, I could have done a lot of things. Could have opened up my own gym. I had plenty of backing for that. It's like, would have been the perfect time, but I had to pull the trigger and I'm just not ready to give up being that girl anymore like I was head of the heat hardy when there weren't a lot of female boxers out there and there weren't a lot of chances now there's finally money going around and I don't want to retire before I can get my hands on some of it I got college tuition to pay next year I got to start a college <laughs> well look you can always do stay in the business there's a lot of you know that you have to pass on your knowledge to the folks that are up and coming and you're going to be pulling other women up 
So we know that you're going to stay in this game for a long time. You have cemented your legacy here in the the fight game period. It is a pleasure having you on this show. You guys get your tickets. This is going to be on pay-per-view. Is it going to be on? on, um, It'll be on the zone. It's just going to be on the zone then. So you guys, you know, I already have my, my subscription ready on the zone, but March 12th against Terry Harper in the lightweight division for the WBA intercontinental championship. We can't wait to see you fight. Get that heat back in the in the cage, in the ring, in the boxing You're ring. You're ready now. That's Thank right. You. Let's go. All right. You want to give a shout out to anybody? A shout out to shout out to Melissa for having me on. Thank <laughs> you. She's one of my biggest cheerleaders at the gym every morning, and it is Love inspiring it. to see like. You don't give up, Melissa. I'm not either. We're That's together. Right. That's right. We I can't wait to come to New York to get in the ring with you guys. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. And and now uh, tell us uh, where we can find you on, on social media and, and so on for folks who may not follow you yet. Sure. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Head of the Heat. I punch a lot, post a lot of nonsense on there, but cool stories, boxing, things like that. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Heather Hardy Box. Right what, what would you suggest that people do to demand or pressure that these promoters and networks put on more women's boxing fights than, than they're having now? In some cases, as we said, they're having none of them. What would you want us to do? I, I'd like to start having the decision makers like be the ones to answer those questions, right? To ask someone like, uh, get Al Heyman to, to tell, you know, on the record. Yeah, you're comfortable to tell, you know, boxing managers and stuff that you don't want women on your shows. I mean, you know, maybe say it out loud to somebody so everyone can hear how horrible that sounds. Yep, I agree. I ask agree. Ask the decision makers. Ask the decision makers, right? The promoters, why they pay the men so much more money than they pay the women. Ask them why. And they don't have answers. They always say, oh, the women don't market themselves. The men market themselves? Please, how? How? Exactly. It's bullshit. You know, it's, we know it's bullshit. We know. You're, you're out there. Misogyny. You're, you're the queen of Twitter. Yeah. Clarissa Shields is the queen of Twitter. I mean, you all are out there all the time. I know. So I mean, what they nonsense. really mean is they want us to show our bodies and... Mm-hmm you know, answer all the DMs and be cute and smiley. And I am a bitch, but that doesn't mean I deserve less money. It doesn't, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to show my body, but I can fight. How about And that's all that should be requested. And that's it. All right, look, folks, we got to wrap this up. It has been a pleasure. Like I said, a pleasure to honor Heather, the heat hardy. We can't wait to see you back in the ring on March 12th on the zone against Terry Harper. You guys keep it real. Peace, love, and push-ups. We are out.